Hello, and welcome to The Lion's Den, a conversational show from Aslan's Place Ministry. I'm Brian Cox. My co-host today is Barbara Parker of Standing in Faith Ministries. In this episode, we interview Larry Pearson of Lion Sword Solutions. We talk about his calling in the area of prophetic discipleship, also known as life coaching. We also discuss how he helps others move into their godly identity and birthright as they discover God's purpose in their lives. We conclude with a discussion on the spiritual gift of prophecy. So with that, let's enter the lion's den. Larry, before I uh, start my interview with you, I'd like to give an introduction. Larry Pearson, uh, someone we know and love. Larry and his wife, Jacqueline, who we also know and love. We have known you now for years. And Larry, with your ministry, Lion Sword Solutions, we have been referring people to you for life coaching for many years. In fact, I have it in my standard email invitation. When someone requires or requests ministry, then that's in my welcome emails. Like, sure, we're going to do generational prayer, but you should also really call Larry Pearson. There's lots more to do, and we'll get into that. So, so Larry, I want to welcome you officially. Thanks for joining us here today. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Barbara. Thanks, Aslan's Place. We absolutely love this family. This is definitely our tribe. We are very, very pleased to and honored, really, to be a part of your family. And that's what it is. It's, wow. it's a wonderful place. It's, and it's wonderful to be here tonight. It's great. All right. Well, it's great to have you here. Well, you know, I'd like to just go ahead and dig in. I do want to talk about your life coaching ministry, and how you move in the gifts, including the gift of the prophetic. But to start off, I'd like to hear from you, your testimony. How did you come mm-hmm. to Christ? And I know that I've, I've, of course, personally, I've heard this testimony. It's an amazing story and could probably take up the whole hour that we have <laughs> for us. <laughs> yeah. So maybe the highlights of your testimony. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try and give a headline um, of, good. of when I was a wee bit of a lad in Canada. <laughs> um, I I definitely didn't know Jesus. Um, I got saved in 1988, and um, many many moons ago. I used to be a drug addict. I started doing drugs when I was 10 years old, and um, not recommended. Don't do this at home. Um, yeah, so I got saved. Um, I, I started doing drugs when I was 10 years old to 27. 27, my life totally bottomed out and made me actually look up and say, you know, why am I here? Who am I? All that stuff, normal things. It was a pretty rocky life, pretty chaotic, pretty, as you can imagine, I mean, you know, drugs uh, is a, is a road to destruction. And then you've got, I got so in a place where mentally, psychologically, I, I couldn't, um, I, I flatlined so much that I couldn't add, subtract, multiply and divide. I was so messed up. Um, <laughs> it need a major healing. Um, and then God in his infinite sovereign way in people's lives, um, he plucked me from that, you know, that death and destruction. And, um, so yeah, I got saved in 1988 and the, and the wild thing I'll, I'll 
try and be brief with this, but when I, I mean, it's a course of events. God just sovereignly put people into my life that were a part of the party scene way back when I was a young, young lad that were actually um, intimidating to me and scared the, you know, scared the daylights out of me. And, um, but when they came and it was an, it was an hour and a half where they lived from where I was and, um, they just kept, and he was, and it turned into somebody completely different than what was that I knew of. And he was a complete, um, wild sold out Jesus freak at the time. And he came led by the spirit. Every time I would show up in this one place, this guy would show up and he, just talk to me about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He just drilled in Jesus into me. And uh, I have ended up eventually going up to his church, a drop-in center. And, and I had a supernatural encounter in this drop-in center, this music ministry. And I, I mean, you got to understand, it was kind of like country to me. And I was normally heavy metal, headbanging heavy metal. And so there was a supernatural presence there. And I didn't know anything about anything. And I had what I would say is a, a, a tangible, literal encounter with the spirit of Jesus that, that rocked my whole world. Nevertheless, I just got up there when they put out the net, if anybody wanted to come to Jesus. So I went up there, did the, did the prayer, and then all of a sudden, just spontaneously, it was like, boom, my eyes were open. It's like, oh, my goodness, I've done this before. And that this is, you know, when I was 27. So all of a sudden, my memories come flooding back to me when I was a kid. When I was 10 years old, I went into a drop-in center when I was 10 years old. And somehow, and we, we're in Canada. Everything's cold in the winter. And where we lived was by the river. And it was like freezing cold. So all of our, you know, my friends and I went into this drop-in center because they had coffee and donuts. That's the only thing that exists. That's the only, that's the only smart thing in, in, in Canada is coffee and donuts in the winter. Anyway, I went in there and somehow I got wrapped up in the leadership and they led me to Jesus. And afterwards, my friends just completely just pounced on me and everything that was attached to them pounced on me, bullied me, ridiculed me all that stuff. Well, something in my own heart almost made a vow. It's like, well, I'll show you how tough I am. Not knowing that the landscape of where I lived was actually the drug culture and drug capital, according to certain um, things in the time, certain um, reports at the time, it was drug capital between Toronto and Montreal. Well, I got caught up in, you know, the, <laughs> the roughest part of everything in that, in that time. And, and so from 10 years old, right to 27, um, I basically just, you know, I was on a, on a really destructive path and, you know, but God in his infinite, all powerful way, reached down in his infinite mercy, pulled me up. And, you know, that was the you know, the highlight of everything is when we get saved, obviously. And then there's the journey of, you know, of over three decades of, okay, now what's this mean? <laughs> and you've got to maneuver through all that. And here I am, you know, going on 32 years and thankful that 
God's love is bigger than my stupidity. <laughs> oh, thank God that he, he's bigger than all of our stupidity. That's for sure. <laughs> would, would it be accurate to say, Larry, that you find that God teaches you something new on a regular basis? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially after hanging out with your dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an ongoing, you know, change is inevitable and yes because i believe it's 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 ultimately because we're on the path of of transformation we're being transformed from glory to glory in in our hearts from our hearts and and so yeah over the 30 years where i am now is not where i was back then thank god and, and you know because it's not a stagnant religion that we're a part of it's a transformational relationship with a living god who is our father and he's he's endeavoring us to you know bring us into that transformed life of being like Jesus and finding our true self in in his plan and all that good stuff so always new awesome this thank you for sharing that i that larry i find that so inspirational um i praise god that no matter where we've been no matter what we've done, God can take us out of it. And so thanks again for sharing that. Now, you and Jacqueline, your wife, have a ministry called Lion Sword Solutions. And yeah. I wanted to ask if you could share a little bit more about what your mission with that ministry is. Yeah, at this point, again, because everything's in fluid. Where we've been, you know, we've been married, thank God, for you know, 21 years. And, you know, I was in the ministry before that, you know, learning what ministry was and stuff. But, um, yeah, Lion Sword Solutions in a nutshell would be, I'd say, an equipping ministry to equip the body to know who they are and especially know who the Father is. And and as, as they know who the Father is, they're going to discover and uncover and 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 the unveiling of who the father is and the unveiling of what they are and who they are what they have um so my heart is that and our heart is that we really would see um people really truly encounter um the fullness of who god is as love who he is as as all of his fullness that he's made available to us. And, you know, we, we believe that, you know, for us, it's it, our priority is, is the presence of the Lord. If, you know, in his presence is fullness of joy, but in his presence is where we really truly find ourselves. We find him and we find us according to his plan, not according to the plan of man, not according to the plan of, anything earthly but what has god done to us now that we believe in jesus now that we're in and the bible talks about being into placed into christ and i think that our mandate is to do our best to partner with holy spirit ultimately because it's not my idea it's not something i'm trying to build it's something god's waking up the church and everybody has their um has their lane to to run in has their mandate and we honor every every stream we honor um every mandate that's born of god 
and we you know partner with whoever we can type of thing wonderful well said i realized that in my question i i could have very almost easily painted you into a corner i should have phrased it what is lion sword solutions calling today <laughs> not holding you to <laughs> what will it be tomorrow and, and we experience that same with aslan's place people will yeah. will email or call or we'll see them an event and they'll ask us why don't you do the event like you did last year because uh, uh, that's not what god has us doing and we're not sure that what yeah. we're doing today we'll be doing next week and and but it keeps yeah, things so exciting true. doesn't it <laughs> it really does and it keeps you on your toes so to speak but it also keeps you extremely dependent on our intimately knowing of God because yes. where we were 21 years ago in the kingdom is not where we are in 2019. And the landscape of the church is not where it was and the landscape True. of the world is not where it is. So I think, I believe that we are, and I think we have been in this incrementally, you know, line by line, in a, in a process of reformation. What's that big word really mean? I think he's reforming our idea of church, our idea of ministry, our, our ideas of what are we now that we're in Jesus. You know, So we're being reformed from our belief system out on so many levels. And if we're not pliable then we will end up, you know, you know the, the, the terminology is, or the adage is, is like every movement can become a monument if they're not staying in a fluid position in relationship with Holy Spirit. Now, boy, that that just really resonated in my spirit. Every movement could become a monument. I, I want to expand on that. As I would understand that to mean we can see God come in power and a certain group of believers were, were in some form of worship or in a certain gathering then do you find then that people will want to recreate what they were doing to see if they can induce God to do the same thing again? Absolutely. And, 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 and not even know they're doing it. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah, a, that's that, true. You know, I mean, because you can, you can track back if anybody that's a, a historian of, of past revivals and movements and outpourings, every single denomination started in an outpouring of the holy spirit he kissed it somehow he awoke a, a certain you know group of people hungry people they awoke and then eventually however the dynamics take place it seems to grab hold of something in our carnality in our humanity and we become comfortable with the way it was right and then you get to the point where 30 years later well you know well brother this isn't what we this isn't the way we do it this isn't the way we it's like well that's the problem sometimes but you know so so we have to guard ourselves from um not staying intimately in my opinion staying intimately knowing god and knowing that the wind changes direction you know, in a sense of, and again, this is why I value Aslan's place extremely, is that that the gift of discernment for me has helped me facilitate 
putting my finger up to the wind. Where are you, God, in the in the moment? Where are you um, moving? Where and what are you saying? What are you doing right now? I don't. I appreciate all the movements. I appreciate the foundation building. I appreciate every morsel of truth that's in any stream because it's all on some level God, obviously, but not everything's fresh bread. And it takes discernment to be able to flow and know, is this really a life-giving bread or is it somebody or a movement that's still feeding on something but end up like becoming like a monument and and entrenching in this way. And in some ways, it's, you know, just how uh, flying off here, it's like it's some way putting doctrine above the relationship with God and one another. So if if we can agree doctrinally on everything, Brian, then we eventually divide and we have to split and we have to make something new, right? But what if relationally, we're never going to agree on everything and we don't need to, as long as we're agreeing on the main essentials of the kingdom and the gospel, relationship in love is going to be way, um, you know, and, and, and way more in line with, with love one another from Jesus, right? You're going to get me preaching here. <laughs> it's okay. We love to hear you preach, Larry. You know, one thing that came to my mind as you were talking about movements is it's, it's almost like the church gets going in something really exciting, and we seem to think we have God figured out. And there's no time <laughs> at which we can ever get God figured out. So That's true. I love what yeah. you had to say. I was, I did too. That, thank you, Larry, for that expansion on the concept. I find that we as Christians, we love our Christian ease. And I would not say uh, the movement to monument is Christian ease, but absolutely is a concept that we must understand. And I think that I am you know, I'm finding that our theme of Jesus following God's lead, and he says, I only do what I see the Father doing, that is a theme we bring up every single week. And I think that it's because God's really highlighting it. It's like, remember, Jesus demonstrated how to follow that lead, and it won't always make sense. No. I remember one time God pointed out to me when I was reading the Bible how Jesus never healed the same person the same way or never healed a person the same way. It was yeah. different because God was moving different each time. And I think this is a good segue then about following God's lead and understanding how to live life for us to talk about life coaching. So Larry, I know that one of your callings is in that area of that somewhat generic term really of life coaching. So yeah. what exactly is life coaching and what is the calling God has you in at this time in that area? Well, that's a very good question, Brian. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> that, you know, pondering that is, is because I, I think like many things, there can be many definitions of life coaching and there can be definitions that are viable that, can be out there in the marketplace or in the world or even in the church and stuff like that. 
but I think life coaching, mostly because I didn't know what else to call, call it, right? In a sense, I think our, our life coaching could be expanded as spiritual life coaching or a discipleship program into identity and birthright and, and purpose. Um, life coaching to me is, um, we've, we've, we saw this definition of a, you know, a coach is somebody that's able to take a flashlight and shine it into the room and help people see what they need to see. So I think that's a brilliant thing is being able to use the gift, whatever it is, whether it's discernment and prophetic, and that's mostly what, what functions through me at times. Other times, I think the word of knowledge and the, the, the spirit of counsel definitely can, can flow. But that as a light, gazing and helping people see what they need to see in order to realize what the Father has put in them. And for me, um, and, and, and again, everybody's unique in their own way. For me and my mandate, it feels like um, the flashlight or the light of the gifts that flow through me aren't there to find out what's wrong with you. <laughs> They're not there to expose sin. They're not there to condemn and no, nobody's, you know, and obviously as this place, no place wants to function as a condemner. But what I feel, and, and a lot of it's come out of my own personal healing journeys and, and, and walking through different things. And I recognize that I, if I feel affirmation of an, of, of an attribute, if I feel an affirmation, and your dad does this absolutely excellent, one of the best leaders I've ever seen do it, is to be able to affirm that which is legitimate in somebody, in their identity in Jesus, in their function in Jesus. When that's affirmed, there's, it, it makes like a rose, it blossoms and it opens up and it's like, oh, I could actually, that actually is a part of me. And, and so for me, life coaching is working with somebody to let them come to a place where they're actually being built up in who God says they are, what God says they have, and what God says and is authorizing them to do in their life. So that, in a nutshell, I mean, it, 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 and it, a lot of life coaching or the spiritual life coaching and stuff like that for me is it depends on who's in front of me. It depends on who I'm communicating with because everybody's on a different place on the mountain. That's what I kind of see. And it's like it's, it's according to where's God got them at the moment and trying to shine in there, affirm what you can affirm, build up what he's saying, build up and discard what any, any lies, any, any wrong beliefs, discard it and be built up in, you know, the most holy faith in who you are and what you have and what the father says you are. So. I completely understand that struggle to convey what you do when it's different each time. It, with generational prayer, for instance, we have that generational prayer model, but yet every single generational prayer session yeah. is different from the one before. Yeah. Um, in generational prayer sessions, often when I'll describe that concept of what you do, I try to use the phrase that you help others apply biblical truths to their life. 
Would, would yeah. that be an accurate description of one of the facets? Yeah, that's one of definitely a very um, a very important attribute of it because I I love I can't remember one of the teachers that I follow or whatever says that wisdom is knowledge applied apply the knowledge so so it isn't so much out there in 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 mystic land it's wisdom is applied knowledge so the spirit of wisdom the breath of wisdom is there to apply what the father says you are so yeah applying what the bible says and and the author of the bible says you are the righteousness of god and and does your sense of self feel like you are righteous and and as that illuminates that's what it did for me it, it illuminated something in my core sense of self that man i felt like there's something wrong with me and if i could just find out what's wrong with me then i might be able to feel like life is good and i'm righteous but then i recognized that hey that's that's actually relying on a performance-based searching as opposed to God gifted me with his son who is my righteousness. Did I receive in the core sense of me the gift of new identity and life as it should be with Jesus in Jesus? I'm just realizing, Larry, that something that I also often share in ministry, I think I learned from you. When you would speak, oftentimes there's what you could consider a long pause or a delay. And what it is, is it's a waiting on the Lord. And I realize that oftentimes in our life, as you said, it's performance-based. What does God want us to do next? And in how you model moving in the gifts, God highlighted what God actually designed us to do. I realized when we think about it, when God created the first being on the planet, we often think about the directions God gave. It's like, okay, you know, before fruitful multiply, there's only one person on the planet, go and name all the animals. But in reality, God rested with man. And yeah. so he made us to rest, to be with him. It's relationship first and our activities come out of that love but aren't a measurement of the love, which seems we so often seem to get caught up in. Barbara, I think that you had wanted to add something. Yeah, uh, Larry, as we all know around Aslan's place, we are pretty adamant about accountability to one another and running things by each other without just throwing something up on the wall to see if it'll stick, so to speak. So would you say that when you're coaching people, that gives them an opportunity to bring things to you in such a way that they could um, kind of double check themselves? You know, maybe it's personal decisions about uh, life decisions. Maybe it's what they should do with a dream. Maybe it's who knows what. But I would think that having someone to just talk to and run things by would be a huge benefit to a lot of people. Yeah, that, that's really, really good. Yeah, thanks for saying that, Barbara, because um, I think a lot of times for coaching, generally speaking, is a listening board and being able to have that sounding board, you know, am I really off here? Is this biblical? Is this, you know, am I really out to learn? Especially in the revelatory community, because 
a lot of what we deal with is such a subjective realm. And this is why I absolutely honor and love Brian and, and, and Paul and everybody at Aslan's like, we're biblically based. If we aren't biblically based, we're going to blow up and be absolutely, you know, weird and, and, and stuff. And, and so accountability to me is, um, and again, this is where the gift of discernment is crucial. It's like, okay, we're cultivating discernment. Uh, and and I, th I think it was um, Tozer that said this, and I sent it to Paul, and he said, that's absolutely true. He says, and Tozer said, discernment isn't necessarily between good and evil. It's right and almost right. And I thought, that's absolutely brilliant in a sense of, of the subjective realm, the revelatory realm, the prophetic and, and all the stuff that's going on as, as we learn, and we're always learning how to discern the voice of God. Is this, does this feel right in my spirit, even though it might be sounding right, even though it actually might even be somebody using the word of God, but does it feel like it's the nature of love? Does it feel like love just spoke this word that's actually even a kiss of correction sometimes, but is it nat is the nature of it tied to love? And sometimes for me, I've had to really drop down and discern, is this really love? And, and, and so, so a lot of times listening to people, and again, I don't, I, don't, I, I don't like the philosophy telling what people what to think in the sense of how can we train people how to think and you know, how to discern um, you know, and using the basics, do you feel the peace of God on that decision? Is, you know, if you see yourself in, in this or that, do you feel a peace in a sense? So again, using the biblical tools of, of following the voice of God and, and so accountability that way in a sense of trying to train them, Hey, there's, there's scriptural aspects of how to, um, follow the voice and discern the voice of God. But yeah accountability of uh, people sharing stuff um and <laughs> it's going to sound a little bit maybe contradictory but not it doesn't intend to be but even if i might not agree with what they're saying but i know that it's important for them in the process of of learning for themselves the voice of god does that make sense it absolutely makes sense and must say that's an achievement for a prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I confess. <laughs> you know, uh, I often uh, like to use this analogy in how generational prayer works so well with what you do, which isn't generational prayer, but sure is right right up there and 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 it's a dovetail that fits together it's it's matching puzzle pieces where generational prayer is like surgery we're going in there with god we're cutting out the rights the enemy's using helping even in that helping the person themselves exercise the personal authority they have in jesus christ over their yep. life and family line but just like after major surgery then there's work to do. And while being careful with the word therapy, <laughs> it is in the surgery analogy, life coaching is like the physical therapy 
where having a possibly a lifetime of confusion, misunderstood religion of rule following, physical therapy then helps the individual, as in life coaching, to move into the new strength coming out of the healing that started and continues from the generational prayer. Does that make sense to you? And would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent, Brian, that, that, that's a very, I love that allegory, that, that picture over and over again, because I, I recognize just after 30 years in my own life and, and just some people absolutely need to get unhooked from stuff from, from the old Adamic way. Some people have to have some, you know, cause the healing journey, the sanctification process um, is what it is. And some people need extra care, but ultimately for me, then what it's like, because we can even, that can even become a monument, right? It's like your healing journey becomes a monument and you never move beyond that. That's kind of, you know, I've been stuck there a couple of times. It's like, man, is this all there is? But, the, you know, it's it's a very vital, very important. But then what? It's like, okay, I've been in this healing journey. I've been in this. And, and it, uh, it's not like the healing journey ever stops. But it, it kind of morphs. The relationship with you and God and the scripture and yourself morphs. But then what? And for me, I think that's where, if if I could say it, the equipping ministry comes in to build that person up in their identity. And what's the ministry of Christ want to flow uniquely through this individual, that individual, and, and they got to be built up. They got to be equipped. They got to be coming into alignment with now what with him so that in, in some ways they can find their fulfillment. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but but I think that once we are, are, are in harmony with my identity and my function and Papa's purpose for me, there's no greater fulfillment. You know, when David says, I delight to do your will, O God, it wasn't because he was a workaholic. <laughs> it wasn't because he was this, oh, I, I, I'm most fulfilled when I've, when I've worked 80 hours a week and <laughs> there's nothing greater, there's nothing more satisfying than, than seeing what I've accomplished in the 85 hours I've worked for a week. No, it's a delight. It's, there's, a, there's a level, there's a measure of fulfillment knowing that you're, you're functioning in your prime. You know, you're, you're functioning in the prime identity and flow and design of Abba that he actually, in a sense, pre-described, pre, you know, predestined. You know, it's, it's a bad word for certain parts of the body of Christ, but he predestined us to do God-breathed works here on earth. And when someone finds that, there's nothing greater. There's really nothing greater. And that's that's the father's purpose for us. Right. It's like we know who we are. We know what we're called to. And we now know what we're not called to. And, and that's, you know, I can segue here. I know my mandate is not primarily generational prayer. If you're anywhere with me for any long, you know that it's definitely not Larry's primary mission. I love it. I honor it. I, I, I see the necessity of it, but that's your lane. 
Aslan's Blaze. And my lane I'm discovering is this. And yes, why can't honor dovetail and work together? Because one isn't more important. It's, 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 there's a dovetail because the ultimate purpose isn't my ministry, your ministry. Our ultimate purpose is the body of Christ equipped to do the work of the ministry that they delight in, right? Getting me on a preacher again. <laughs> I completely agree. Preach away, Larry. You know, I really like the, just the word discipleship. And yet for those of us that have been in churches all of our lives, most churches are going to say, oh, we'll come to the discipleship class or, right. you know, and it's a canned program. And what I see that you're doing is more like a very personalized, individualized discipleship that meets the needs of the person where they are. And you have a vast amount of both personal difficult experiences as well as spiritual wisdom to share with them. But all of that said, is there any uh, general time frame that usually you work with people one time, 500 times or something in between? Um, until I get completely bored with it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. Again, it's according to design according to what's what's the touch point of this individual coming into our sphere of authority our mandate our mission or whatever um some people again because everybody's on a different place on their path and on the mountain and stuff like that so some people might just need you know that click of one time um and i'm fine with that but i recognize that because of how the design flows in me, it's more of, you know, I like to, because sometimes I have long-term and sometimes they are short-term. And I get that. I've had to learn to just let God breathe and order the steps of everyone. But I find the ones that really um, invest that time, it's kind of like an investment in their call. It's an investment of their, in their identity. It's an investment of finding I find that it, it goes deeper because we've we've learned relationally how to how to flow with one another because I'm not trying to um, and, and and again it, it's all a learning curve for all of us. I'm not trying to be the prophet speaking into this person in this kind of discipleship mentoring type of a thing. I'm I, I think there's another thing that kicks in in a sense. The spirit of counsel comes in to help maneuver, help you know, negotiate the turns, negotiate the beliefs, negotiate the influences, and and align them together with them. And I see some that that are are leaping and bounding, and some because they've made the investment for a long term relationship stuff. So it could be on some level like a mentorship thing discipleship thing see i don't know what to call it because i think it could i think all the nuances hit there but um i'm good with if if people think that they only need one time and stuff like that that's fine um but i i'm i'm more thrilled with the fact that if i'm working with somebody this is an ongoing um tapestry unfolding that i'm seeing and i'm able to actually um 
remind them of the track record. Remember when you first came to me and you're this and you went through this and you went through this and now months later, whatever, look where you are right now. Would you have, would you have functioned this way in this situation back then? No way. So that to me says the long-term um, commitment helps facilitate building a, a tapestry of the person's life. So I think that really is, is a, I don't know, a healthy equipping aspect of the, of the ministry. I like that idea of how you would provide a benchmark of progress. And uh, that's, yeah, I guess <laughs> they yeah, don't have I, anything else to I say besides too. that. Yeah. Well, I, I really do too, because I think sometimes when we are in the process of growing and learning and going from A to B to C to Z, we forget where we've been. And the way you said that is just beautiful, Larry, that you unfold the tapestry and remind them where they've been. I think that's huge. Well, and what's encouraging to me is that when certain ones are able to see it for themselves, is like, I know I'm different. And I know that something is happening. And to me, it, to me, there's no greater um, reward to know that God's actually working through me or through us, through the whole thing. Is that what what's what's more rewarding than to see somebody free, to see somebody um, growing in their identity and their function? Is um, it, it it just there's no other, there's, there's nothing better for, for me. When you provide these uh, ministry times, coaching, whatever name we'll come up with, how, how does that occur? Does it need to be face-to-face -face with you there in Canada to do it? No, and I, that's why I love, I love the, the aspect of, I mean, I'm fine with, I'm, I'm not a hermit in, in Canada. I'm, I'm good face to face if that's what, but what's um, even better is, is if I'm on zoom like this, I do zoom calls, but I also, how it flows better for me is if I can't see you, <laughs> I know that's oxymoron, but see the way the prophetic or the way the gifting flows out of me is that if I get distracted too much with, with the temporal, with, with the natural aspect, then the flow kind of gets a little bit dampered. So if I'm, sometimes I, I will um, get people to, to phone in on the toll-free number of, of Zoom and, and we're just on audio and we're, and, and we're back and forth um, and, and I'm hearing, I'm listening and they're contributing back and forth and stuff like that. And what that does, it frees me up to dial in deeper see when i used to get when i when i got trained in the prophetic years and years back when <laughs> when grass was barely green what what one of the aspects or one of the um instruments that they would use which was unnerving when you first learned how to prophesy learn how to hear god was um you'd almost think it was torturous but it wasn't it was a benefit because what they would do they put people in in they would bring the prophetic person up and tell them to turn around. So I'm facing the audience and, and closing my eyes. And then they put somebody behind me and I have no clue who it is. I don't know if it's a woman or a man. I don't know if it's a child. I don't know if it's an old person. I have absolutely zero 
distraction in my information, in my Rolodex of, oh, oh, I see this on you. I, um, it doesn't work that. So, so what they would do is like, okay, close in. What are you hearing from God, sensing from God about this person? And zoom, 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 zoom. It was powerful for that person because it was, it was the filter of me was, was so lessened. And so uh, because the, the, the prophetic in me is Nabe prophet mostly, I see and discern obviously, but the Nabe bubbles up. And so as long as I'm less distracted by the natural social aspects of certain things, the Nabe prophet will just flow and flow and flow. And obviously it's undo, you know, unto I'm submitting this, sift through it, pray for you. Well, I love what Mark DuPont would say when we were just getting, all prophecy is the diving board into the pool of prayer. So no matter what prophecy, no matter what prophetic stuff, even no matter what life coaching stuff, um, take it to prayer. God, is this you? Where does it fit? What do you want me to know type of thing? Long answer again to a short question. No, that's a very good answer. And, and that's a remarkable training tool. So Jana asked a question and she asked, what do you see is the greatest need in finding fulfillment in the Lord? And I would add to that personally, there may not necessarily be a way to rank. So we could rephrase as what do you find contributes to fulfillment in the Lord? Yeah, that's a powerfully packed question. I think it can, on some level, be, has to be attributed to the individual because my my design might get fulfillment out of certain things where you're someone else's fulfillment might be in something else. Um, perfect, perfect allegory of this. Some people are absolutely delighted and fulfilled in the linear information study aspect. It's like, okay, put a teacher and a prophet to, 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 in, in contrast. The teacher absolutely loves to research, loves to you know, dissect the word, loves to do all that stuff. There's a level of fulfillment in that where an inspired Nabe prophet is fulfilled when there's a gusher coming out of that person and you know you're in the flow, you know you're locked and loaded. That brings fulfillment. But apart from the gifting, I would say the need in my own personal life, and I think, you know, could probably be applicable to many, is ultimately knowing how deeply I'm loved by the living God. Because if my heart really, truly believes and knows that I am eternally, unconditionally loved by God Almighty, love Almighty is, uh, is my new name for God. God is love almighty. So, so when I, when I can absorb uh, my core belief of me that love almighty purposed while I was still a drug addict in destruction, Brian and Barbara, when I was still dead in my sin, 
even before that, love almighty absolutely intensely loved me and went toward me and pulled me out of that place of destruction. And, and for me, if I just look at that as a one-time thing in 1988, I got saved. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's move on to the deeper things and the more important things. If I don't feed on that demonstration of eternal love toward me, then I will think I'm going on to more important things in the kingdom or my walk or, or ministry or whatever. But if I'm not fully persuaded that Father loves me no matter what, then then I'm I'm more apt to get distracted by other stuff. And so so for me, the the greatest need for fulfillment is for all of us to know that we're loved, not because of my gifting, not because of ministry, not because of my friendship, not because of how many um, are on my influence tags or whatever, any of that. I'm, I'm loved and I've fulfilled because Jesus Christ absolutely demonstrated perfect love by dying on the cross for me as me so that I could become as he, a son in the kingdom. And yeah, fulfillment Fulfillment can be a dangerous thing because if I don't know fulfillment only comes from knowing the author and finisher of creation, then I will do my 85 hours of work. I will try my best to, to get known by everybody. That will scratch some level of soulish fulfillment, but ultimate fulfillment is do you absolutely know that you are eternally, unconditionally loved by your creator. Very well said, Larry. And I gotta say, I love that name for God, Love Almighty. <laughs> Barbara? Yeah, Larry, something you said a few minutes ago, I think is really, really important. When you spoke about how you would encourage people to go back and pray about the prophetic words that you might give them. And I think Brian earlier mentioned they're not always really clear. <laughs> and I think that's so important because you've often given prophetic words in the context of um, larger groups or just when you're talking to Paul and it might take, you know, three, four, five years to figure out what they all mean. But you've also given me personal prophetic words. Uh, one was, I think, in 2008, and it was three or four years before it actually started happening. You gave yeah. me another one in like 2017 that I'm still waiting for, and I don't have a clue. But, um, you know, yeah. just waiting for the Lord to work out the word in your life and praying about it, I think is really important instead of trying to make it happen. And I think sometimes we get a prophetic word and we try to make it happen. Oh, absolutely. And that's, that's the, that's the truth intention. That's the, the, whatever you want to call it, you know, the, the truth intention is what I like to like because it, it's it's a it's a bit of an oxymoron. It's like okay, if God said it, then why isn't it happened yesterday? 
And, and, and it's interesting because most of the times when I've done prophetic or gave prophetic words, um, that's what happens. And I had a word given to me a long time ago is that when I see something or when I give prophetic words, it's going to be like a telescope. They're going to come into five, 10 years before it's actually fulfilled. I don't get the why, but, but that's been the track record of when I say stuff or when prophecy flows through me, there are times when, um, over the years, um, I'll see somebody else. And again, it's been seven years, eight years, 10 years or longer before they even see the sprout of that fulfilled, you know, the sprout of it starting to show up like, oh, I guess he wasn't a false prophet or whatever, right? In a sense. So we have to recognize that the timeline in God's ability to fulfill it, there's a lot of maneuvering around and there's a lot of stuff. The dynamics of the word will test us. You know, I talked about it in Joseph in, in, in Psalms, is that the word tests us. The word kind of sifts us. It sifts our motives. It sifts our intentions, our thoughts, and all that stuff, because the word becomes a living word that that does stuff to us. And, and yeah, we take it to prayer. And how I like to look at it now is, okay, Prophecy has initiated for me a conversation from the other side. <laughs> God has initiated a conversation to me, if it's personal. A little bit different when it's a corporate thing, but not too much different because if he's speaking to the individual or he's speaking to the corporate man. And what I respect about Aslan's place that actually blows me away is how much Paul um, documents all these things. And, and had we not have had stuff documented by this wonderful father, um, we would be pretty void and, and in somewhat floundering because, you know, like not only I, but other prophetic voices that are, that are in partnership and, and, and relationship with Paul and Aslan's place, we've spoken stuff and, and it's, it's, it's astounding to me how three, four, five years later, something will be happening in a meeting, something seemingly unconnected to anything. And it's, like, it's almost like we're stuck someplace. It's like, God, oh God, where are you? And some, some word comes up and Paul will type it into his computer and boom, there's a word from five years ago and, that it, it, and it fully explains what's present in the moment and i'm thinking wow like so understanding that the prophetic can be progressive revelation is progressive and we've seen this even in 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 prophets like kim clement you know god rest his soul he's in he's in he's in a higher realm now working but um his stuff would be so much um It'd be, it'd be veiled so many times. But again, then down the road, it's progressive. It's like, oh, this is what that meant. Oh, my goodness. And so being open to understand that God is the one who has the power to interpret what we say. So we can't throw things out just because my linear mind doesn't understand it and it doesn't fit in this context. Then put it on a shelf with your relationship and conversation with Holy Spirit and watch how the tapestry of each thing, whether it's corporate or whether it's individual, flows together. And, you know, obviously we're human. We all see in part. So if it doesn't, then leave it on the shelf and let God be the Lord of the prophecies.
Well said. And I agree, Larry, we, uh, we've talked about many times how we're amazed at how my dad is able to bring up uh, past information. I was amazed. He even scanned in the written prophecies and dream interpretations from the late (laughs) eighties. And, you know, I think it helps to illustrate that that's why we, we love Proverbs 25 too says it is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory yeah. of Kings to seek it out. And, yeah. and we yeah. need to be okay. Don't we with understanding that that search that seeking can mm-hmm. take a while. <laughs> and it's in that seeking that we can even come closer to God. Yeah. I love what Graham Cook says, you know, God's omniscient. He's everywhere all the time, but he says, there's one place he's not, he's not in a hurry. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Well said. (laughs) Very good. Now, I believe you have a weekly uh, webcast of your own. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes on and where they could find that webcast? Yeah, it's it's on, if you go to lionswordsolutions.ca, that's our website, and you'll see, you click on webcasts or whatever. So we have a webcast Thursdays at 7 Eastern. It's called Prayer and Presence. A lot of it is we because we're so thirsty for the presence of the Lord and, and benefit so much from the presence of the Lord, we're, we're just opening up who wants to come in and, and it's, you know, it's become a little bit of a community, you know, here and there. And, and, and we love everybody that's there. And so we sometimes go into discernment. Sometimes I get on a rant or a ramble about, about certain things teach sometimes, but ultimately it's about, letting the, the the spirit of the living God and his presence encounter whoever is hungry, encounter, because if, if for us, the more that we can intimately be acquainted with, acquainted with the living presence of the Holy Spirit, that has a level of transformation, you know, beholding is in the mirror, the glory of the Lord, and we're transformed into the same image. Yes, it's the word, and yes, it's that. But I think also there's an aspect of us beholding, our senses beholding the the tangible presence. God is showing up, and what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do when he shows up? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be open like a rose, or am I going to be closed off? And, And so we endeavor to follow and learn how to be led in that presence, and, and so we, we do it together and yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's a wonderful time of fellowship and so exciting how we use the little bit of technology, but then God connects everyone supernaturally. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing how the presence of God knows no bounds, especially technology. Yes. He just, he's sovereign, right? He, he, he <laughs> yes, indeed. He, He's so hungry for our presence. He's just like, okay, do Zoom. Watch what I'm going to do, <laughs> yes, right? <laughs> yes, exactly right. Now, yes. your website then is lionswordsolutions.ca. Yeah. And that yeah. would be also how people could engage you for the life coaching as well. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. If they just um, email from there, um, contact from there, or lionswordsolutions at gmail.com. Um, you can, and we'll um, connect that way and, and send the info of what to do and all that stuff. And yeah. And, and you can also get me on Facebook. I sometimes do Facebook live. If God drops something in, 
in my heart. I, I just want to expound on something and just encourage people and point out all their sin and everything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, what is your Facebook tag? Then would it be Larry uh, Pearson? No. The, well, our, our, our ministry one is um, facebook.com forward slash line sort solutions. Uh, my personal one is unveiled son. Before we conclude, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share, Larry? Well, Lord, is there anything you want to say? I think that, you know, we're in a very unusual point of time in the kingdom, in the prophetic movement, in the revelatory community. Um, I like to say revelatory community because prophetic kind of limits stuff. You know, the discernment camp is a revelatory community, the apostolic, whatever. It, and it's not about the gifting, but it's about revelatory sheep that know his voice. We're at a very peculiar time right now. There's a lot of rocking going on. There's a lot of shaking. Going, there's a lot. But I think that it's happening. And I hope my prayer is, is that we can dial back into he who is true. He who is full of grace and truth. And that we um, keep the main thing, the main thing. The main thing in the kingdom is Jesus Christ is love almighty. Jesus Christ is, is for you. He's not against you. He's not mad at you. He's not judging you. He's not, he's not angry with you. His arms are completely stretched wide open without condition saying, come unto me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I really feel like there's a, there's a, a significant line of demarcation going on. Will we exalt the gifted or will we keep the main thing? The main thing is that we're sons and daughters deeply loved of God, no matter what our function is. If, if, I put, if we put our function above our identity as deeply loved sons and daughters, we're going to run into more trouble. But I feel like there's a demarcation. I love the fact that we're in Rosh Hashanah. We're coming into a place of the next year. There's something about, about the mouth, which is interesting, about the utterance. Um, I think that there's going to be a really significant um, kingdom shift going on in order to bring us across into something we... It might seem a little familiar, but we have to, again, drop into discernment what is God presently saying to me and to we so that we can go into the deeper places of knowing his love, knowing his heartbeat for not only us, but for the nations. The nations are rocking right now, but guess what? We have the answer. And it's not, it's not our ministry that has the answer. It's the ministry and the person of Christ in us, the hope of all glory. And you know, dialing into the indwelling life giving presence and person of Jesus is for me the main thing. And and I just want to stay in that lane. And I think that if 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 I've if I'm known of him, then I'm not gonna miss anything. Well said. Barbara, do you have anything that you'd like to say in closing? Well, Larry, I just want to say thanks. It's been a real honor and privilege to be able to see and talk to you today. You've been such a blessing to Jack and to me over the years. And just to mm. see you and 
hear your voice is just wonderful. So thanks so much. Well, we love you guys, all of you. It's 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 a family, it's, and that's what I love. It's and we're not we're not building up around ministry. We're built up around loving one another. And I I so honor Aslan's place and everybody that's connected to it. We we we've it's just it's a huge delight to our lives, big time. Yes, I agree, Larry. Thank you very much for joining us together. It's been a privilege to be able to talk with you and and for to hear you share your story and your your ongoing calling in your ministry. Thanks for listening. The Lion's Den is a production of Aslan's Place Ministry. To donate to this ministry, please visit aslansplace.com and click the donate button. And we hope you'll join us next time in The Lion's Den.